Look at all this technology finally working and going. I have a guest. I've tested it. We know he's here. And I guess without further delay, we're going to kick right over to that uh, live screen. And uh, hey, look at that. Looks like the stream is alive and kicking and good. But of course, we're focusing on audio. And without further delay, <laughs> here's Pete. Pete, we made it. We got it working this time. Uh, let me drop that intro music and mute that so we don't have to worry about that. Good evening, sir. Welcome to, um, I guess this is episode 64, part due <laughs> for repeat. <laughs> but, uh, man, what a good lesson learned on how to get all this stuff to work and everything. So, good evening, and thank you for coming on again. And I think we'll have a little bit of fun this time. I'm hoping we can just keep that chemistry up that we had from the last show and just have a good, good, <laughs> good, good time. So, Yeah, it's like deja vu. Man. Yeah, uh, but you guys have like had a busy We've done week. this before. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's going to be nice and relaxed. It's like we've rehearsed it already. So uh... Yeah, you know all the answers to the questions. That won't be any fair, but whatever, right? 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 Yeah. So. Well, but yeah, thanks for having me, man. Oh, no problem. Uh, yeah, so it's funny because when we tried to do the show last time, uh, yeah, you guys had just rolled out something big with a cool video and everything. You were on the boat having some fun. No, sorry. You guys were flying jets. You guys, like, boy, you guys have been having some Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys have been having a lot of fun. I'm gonna keep my my facts straight here. So you'd rolled out the uh, the the um, the turbine video, and we were chatting away, having a good time about that. And then the um, uh, that lovely lovely boat video came out, where you guys were on on the water with a bunch of floats and having a good time. And then another product rolled out that we were discussing earlier in the week. So pretty crazy. So. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah they keep me busy for sure <laughs> yeah so let, let's let's uh let's roll back a little bit and let's talk about your uh i guess introduction into the industry and everything you're doing now so and and introduce yourself to the people who are listening to the podcast since they won't have a clue about the last show <laughs> yeah yeah so my name is pete holy uh, i work for horizon hobby uh, I started as a product support representative, then I moved into product development and worked for uh, the Blade product line, and then now I'm a professional videographer for them. So jumped around in, uh, in the job roles uh, in, within Horizon, and uh, just have had, been having a, bl uh, a blast ever since. Uh, it's been so much fun, but uh, yeah, uh, I was as we were talking before, uh, I was talking about the fact that uh, I was always a uh, hobbyist when I was a little kid. Uh, you know, uh, going from surface to air products. But, uh, yeah, I was a restaurant manager for a long time uh, after college, and uh, I decided to just uh, give it a go, give it a try, and uh, put in an application with Horizon Hobby. They hired me and uh, moved halfway across country, and it's uh, been a blast ever since. Uh, so, yeah, I, I was able to make it much more concise uh, this time. That's <laughs> yeah, all good. It's all good. So, yeah, yeah. What sparked it? I know we, we, we have a common industry behind us working in videography and, and video. Um, but what, 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 what triggered you to look at Horizon and take that, that chance? I guess a leap of faith, man. Uh, you know, well, first of all, it was the contact that I made. You know, I just uh, logged onto the employee website or the, uh, the recruitment website, as it were. And they were looking for product support reps. And uh, I, I, I consider myself pretty mechanically inclined. Uh, and it's funny because you, you think you know a lot about RC uh, being in the hobby until you 
trying to work as a product support rep and then you kind of get slapped in the face with the amount of knowledge that you don't actually have uh, when it comes to the RC hobby. But uh, as far as just taking the leap, it was uh, it was actually a friend of mine, you know, that really knew that I was into the hobby uh, and, and really enjoyed just aviation in general. And, uh, you know, I was about to move to the East Coast and start running a restaurant out there. And I had a friend that just stopped me and said, hey, I thought you were going to, you know, you're, you're really into this aviation thing. Why don't you, you know, give it a shot for me and for you? Why not just uh, give it a try? So and that and that's what I did. That was the initial just jump that somebody else was like, "Hey, you you talk about this all the time. You love showing me all the stuff that you're working on. So why not just see if you can do it professionally? You know, it's, it's something that you love to do. Why not uh, just give it a shot and do it? So uh, yeah, that's what it was. Somebody else had to give me a little push, but uh, but yeah, I haven't regretted it ever since. No kidding. And I, I think what really clicked, uh, it was funny, you'd shared a timeline on one of your social medias and said something as special is coming. And I I was stunned to see some of the, and this is obviously the turbine video. So go, go on to Horizon's website or YouTube channel, sorry, and check out this video with uh, you and Ali. And, oh my goodness, to get that close and that really, that video really, really spurred a lot of, well, one, interest in me to, to start pushing my envelope a little tiny more bit. Every little bit counts these days. Um, and just really look into something different in the hobby. So, I mean, I even went through the whole, I'm, you know, in the middle of going back to my, to my old flying club and, and doing that because my long-term goal <laughs> is to get there and go flying turbines, even though the cost is, it's bananas, man. But that video, like talk, <laughs> and your journey, like you said, you started off in customer service and you've, you've moved into doing videos and the stuff you're doing this day and age right now is is just, you know, like we, man, go at it. Tell it, tell it, tell the <laughs> podcast because I don't need to articulate what I'm thinking, but it's been such a fun little journey to see those first couple little videos. And then now it's just this, I wait for them. I wait for them. I look for what you guys are going to do. I look for what kind of crazy things, antics you guys are going to get into. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, from product support, uh, there was a need to uh, get a quad guy, somebody who is, uh, well-versed in multi-rotors, and there was a couple of us, uh, but I, I really took to it uh, as far as uh, the mechanics, how they operated, understanding beta flight, uh, you know, general soldering and stuff like that. So uh, I really got into that, really got into the cinematography aspect of it. Uh, I, I did start doing some racing. Uh, I was very middle of the pack, uh, wasn't winning much, wasn't, you know, wasn't the last guy, I wasn't crashing out, but... Uh, you know, uh, it, it was fun, but, you know, it's, it's, it's more fun to win. And you know how that is. So uh, always been into photography just as a hobby. Uh, always thought it was cool as far as FPV to have cameras on a quad. So or on a fixed wing for that matter. And uh, really got into using that as a tool to to feature a lot of our products. Um, the more and more I did that and the more and more I understood uh, multi-rotors, uh, they were able to say, hey, you know, hey, we need somebody to do this professionally for Team Blade. So if you want to, uh, you know, come on board and under development and work on uh, uh, multi-rotors for Blade. Uh, so that was just, a, a, you know, a quick graduation into that. And then, you know, while I was developing the quads, more and more cinematography came into it. Uh, I got to fly more and more with Allie. And uh, being that Allie really understands my pers uh, my position and what I'm trying to do, which is uh, really 
uh, get the aircraft in the best light possible or, you know, shoot them and make them look, look as good as they can. Uh, he's absolutely good at that. Uh, as far as the footage we get, it's definitely a two-man job. Uh, his ability to put the plane exactly where it needs to be to get the shot that I'm looking for, he is uh, really talented at that, really has an ability to do it. And, uh, you know, the scariest thing is getting up close to an airplane and then something quick happens, you know, whether he rolls uh, quick and he, and he you know, is rolling into you or pitches up into you or anything like that. And those are the things that, uh, you know, if he is going to do that, it usually gives you about a two to three second warning. Uh, and then, you know, with that warning, I can, I can, you know, work with it and we can actually get a good shot out of it rather than a disastrous shot of, uh, me going through an airplane wing or something like that. But, uh, yeah, so the more and more, uh, we did that, uh, Allie and I flew together, we were doing more marketing videos showing off that we could get, you know, really be able to paint our products in a new light, you know? Uh, shooting from uh, shooting airplane from the ground is really cool. You can get some really cool effects, but uh, you're always limited. So to ha have that extra dynamic of the air-to-air -air footage was just more and more useful to us. And uh, Allie and I tried the first episode of On the Fly. Uh, it was really well received, both inter internally and externally. And uh, we've been running it with it ever since. Uh, we just uh, finished our 24th episode, I think it is. So uh, wow, well yeah, um, and and it's. Yeah. Um, and it's under uh, our Horizon Hobby. So if you go to the YouTube channel or our Facebook page, there's a playlist that's on the fly. We don't have our own channel. So we're under the Horizon Hobby umbrella. But be sure to check it out if you guys haven't seen it. Uh, it's just been a blast ever since. So uh, from the development role, yeah, we did more and more episodes and uh, they, they decided, hey, uh, why don't we just have you do this professionally? <laughs> so and that's what we did uh so yeah i've been doing it ever since and it's just been an absolute blast uh they keep giving me more fun things to do and less real work to do and it's just been an absolute dream job <laughs> <laughs> so you said 24 episodes what has been your favorite so far uh you know it's funny the most recent episode always ends up becoming my most favorite uh we keep going more and more over the top getting more and more great footage uh you know, there's there, there there's a chemistry there, you know, between Allie and then uh, the combination of our abilities. We're just able to get more and more epic shots that we get so excited about, get so excited about sharing it with the people who are willing to watch it. So, uh, yeah. So, so far, it's on the float. Most most definitely uh, the both for the amount of fun that we had and just to be able to capture that different perspective uh, is just absolutely awesome. I uh, I had to laugh at one shot. I really thought you were going to put that quad into the water at one point. <laughs> he, he was he was driving you down, wasn't he, on purpose? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing. It's it's hot lava. I didn't have any floats or anything on the quad. It was, uh, you know, luckily I really am comfortable with that quad. I've done a lot of work with that particular airframe, so I knew that it was going to be fine out there. I knew that as long as we did everything the right way, we weren't going to lose a GoPro or a quad to the lake. So, yeah, uh, dude, <clears throat> I'll be honest. There was one shot there where I tried to get really, really low down into the water uh, behind the wake of the boat. And it ended up looking really cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, you always got to be aware of it. And that's that especially, you know, air-to-air uh, -air pilots will always talk about, you know, be sure don't let the airplane fly into the ground. And that's a very... Uh, specific situation where you want to be aware of it. Don't let the pilot fly in the water because, think just like that. You know, yep. no more footage, no, no more, more quad, footage, so. nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and you guys were moving. You were on a fair clip on that boat. 
Uh, yeah, there was a, uh, a camera angle adjustment that was done on my end. I actually had them. Oh, hold on, you guys are because I mean to get the best shot of those boat, uh, the airplanes, the airplanes like to, you know, cruise at speed. So they don't want to be flaps down. They start shaking a little bit. So we really wanted to get smooth shots of the airplane and the water was absolutely glass. So, you know, all that was done at pretty high speeds, you know, the boat at absolute full throttle. So yeah, I kicked the cameras up a little bit and, uh, and we were good to go after that. But, uh, but yeah, we were definitely, uh, at the maximum of the boat, the beard, that's what we were limited by. And we were still, you know, (laughs) 35, 40 miles an hour for some of the shots. So. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, that was awesome. And of course, you guys had a good variety of airplanes. I love some of the, this is the best way to set up this airplane, you know, on the back of a boat while we're, while we're floating along. Because some of those things were big. Yeah. Like that was, you had the, uh, the, the timber out there. Of course, you had sitting behind me yeah. is my 1500. So you had that on floats, which looked <laughs> phenomenal. And then there were, yeah. and there were a couple other ones. It's just, and you guys said, well, yeah, you just took an opportunity of a really good day and had some fun with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> gosh, you know, darn. Yeah. Hey. Uh, the back of Allie's uh, airplane was absolutely packed to the brim. I didn't even know he had the Timber 110. I actually did not know he had it until uh, we get, went, went around. And so I was like, oh, we have this too. All right. Yeah. yeah Big yellow, gorgeous yellow plane. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, geez. Yeah. And then, uh, and you know, before on the, uh, the, the other, uh, take one podcast, uh, you were talking about your experience flying turbine and there are some <laughs> shots there. And of course, you know, I, I, the Viper's cool and everything, but being a Canadian boy that, that F-18 just spoke to me in so many ways. It was gorgeous. And to watch that yeah. and to watch you try and keep up with that and the shots you were getting of that. I mean, no one else I've seen. You know, who who goes up with a quad chasing a turbine that's worth X dollars, right? So Yeah, yeah. That was uh that was an absolute blast. And that yeah, that is an extremely rare opportunity uh to be able to work with Ali and him to trust me with it. And it was his you know, his idea. He's always willing to push the envelope and you know, he wants to get the best shots possible of uh, all the planes that we can and uh I uh you know, I don't even know how much you can go to BVM and look on the website, how much their buying and fly uh, packages for the F-18 are their fifth, uh, one, uh, one fifth and a half scale. I think it is what it is. But yeah, fifth scale F-18. And uh, yeah, he wanted the footage. He wanted me to go up in the air with it. And, uh, and that's another situation where, uh, you know, I actually I set the quad up for that particularly because he, even him. Uh, full flaps with the air breakout. Uh, you know, I was still struggling to keep up with them. So uh, we went lighter on the battery. Again, uh, huge camera angle adjustments. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, at, you know, as I say in the video, you know, you're in the top of the three quarter throttle range, which makes it extremely difficult to make it smooth and accurate. But uh, with a little bit of post production, uh, real steady go, we were able to, you know, crop it in and make it look pretty cool. So. Um, you know, with all the videos, there is some post-production involved, of course, but, uh, you know, the end result is to make everything look as cool as possible. You know, it's, it's not about showcasing, uh, piloting skill. You know, if, if you are amazed by the footage and you don't even, you know, think of the fact that we shot with a quad I feel like I've done my job. So it's, yeah, it's, it's all about the footage for me, most definitely. <laughs> Gotta get that shot, and then you know you you guys just shot the Viper. And I loved, I love that. We were talking. I slotted in on the left side. I'm like, oh, I'm better off on the right. But I'm like, no, no, no. That shot on the left looked gorgeous. But you're looking for yeah. that, that that light and everything, and you flew right through the wake of the jet. And I'm like, you had to have felt that. 
You know, and it's funny because it didn't, you didn't pick it up in the GoPro, like the final footage that you guys saw, I really didn't pick it up, but I mean, it was like someone took the quad and just shook it like really violently, <laughs> really rapidly. Every time I got in that jet wash, it was really cool. And also I didn't realize, so I, I come down and land. So my motors are hot. Yeah. Cause I'm really pushing them, but uh, they were really, really hot, like almost on fire. And it was because of them trying to deal with the jet wash. They were oscillating so fast and they're, oh, you know, yeah. the PIE tuning is working so hard to, to keep the rig steady that uh yeah i had some uh almost done motors they weren't they weren't <laughs> totally done but man they were on well on the verge they were almost toasty do you so, yeah it's a, it's a lot of work to do that do you run <laughs> through a lot of kits uh do you cycle through a lot of hardware just to make sure that you've got the shot and that you've got the reliability to get the shot uh, I honestly, I, so I always have a backup, but I usually stick with one main rig and try to maintain that as well as possible. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, this is, it used to be a hobby. Now it's a job. So you always have to have a backup because you can't necessarily run home when you're on the clock to get a shot. So, uh, yeah, we always have a backup and, uh, honestly with the type of work that we're doing being air to air it's pretty low impact for the rigs that I'm using. Uh, you know, there's not too much, you know, especially flying with a really smooth pilot like Allie, there's, there's not much contact in the air and there's not much contact on the ground. So, I mean, on the odd occasion, I might do, give it a little cartwheel cause we got too close to the ground, but that's, you know, pretty rare anymore. Uh, we've, we've gotten pretty good at it and it's uh, almost like clockwork anymore. And yeah, to be honest, I'm surprised to say I'm not going to, uh, going through too much equipment anymore. Yeah. We just jinxed it all, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so on the, uh, the, and then afterwards, after you guys shot that, the, the really nice air to air footage of the, 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 uh, turbines you took to the sticks. And that had yeah, to be an experience. Yeah. That had to be experience because you, there's a good shot of you sweating bullets, but, but it was oh, hot. Man. But but that had to be so fascinating. Uh, in the air, it was it was really okay. Aside from the fact that you really have to, um, with even with EDFs, you're always giving a you're always giving some sort of uh, symbol of, or evidence of how fast you're going. Uh, or how much throttle you have, uh, given the sound of the throttle. And you don't get that with the turbine. Uh, you actually have to watch the airplane to really get an idea of your speed. So it's really easy to get the airplane into a stall uh, situation because if you're not watching your speed and really looking ahead of the airplane, uh, you can lose that speed orientation and actually, you know, stall out the airplane and put it into a tumble, just, you know, doing a regular pass across the runway. So um that was very interesting that was very different also um I, andre i know you watched the video to the end but uh if you do watch it all the way through you'll notice that i totally duffed the landing uh totally messed it up because you need to commit with a turbine when you spool down the turbine that far and uh you're already into the runway and you you've used up half of it you can you know get on the throttle all the way and you're not necessarily going to get that thrust back until the end of the runway. You're not necessarily going to have enough lift on the wing to be able to get out of the situation. So um, I, I had overflared and I put the airplane too high and too slow. And uh, I mean, I probably would have panicked without Allie, you know, coaching me through the end of it. So, he, you know, he yelled at me pretty much to let the plane settle and to get it in. 
And I think we had maybe about six inches of runway left by the time we had it, you know, skidded at the end of the runway. So yeah. And well, and it's just a common, you know, mistake that the ground's coming too fast. So you pull back on the stick to flare. And that's the first thing you said before we took the flight is like, just don't overflare it because it's easy to do. Uh, the touch and go was fine. Just kind of dropped it in. The second touching or the second landing was awful because, yeah, put the nose straight up into the air off power uh, about, you know, 15 feet in the air. That was absolutely terrible. So uh, yeah. if you ever want a uh, instruction on how to not land the Viper jet. Uh, watch the end of that video. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. But, you know, you, you, you try to learn from it. It's nice having on video so I can pick myself apart as far as what I did wrong. And not everybody has that. So, But it was interesting because we struck up a pretty good conversation afterwards. And one of the flat out question was, well, what kind of flight time do you get on a turbine? Mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere around uh, from 8 to 12 minutes uh, and it all depends on you know what size tank you put in it and uh, you know the overall makeup of the aircraft because I think Allie has a, a turbine glider that uh, will do well <laughs> over 10 minutes as far as flight but uh, that's a rare exception to the rule um, but uh, yeah anywhere from 8 to 12 minutes is usually a flight time so as far as jets are concerned if you're used to flying edfs that's a whole new world you know yeah, you're no like, kidding. keep looking at your timer <laughs> yeah so uh you know for you new guys that want to spend a bunch of money it's uh you at least get 10 minutes of uh, of enjoyment out of before the uh the hard part comes of bringing it in so yeah well i mean that's that's the classic thing with the edf and i've got the the f4 and i'm probably going to try and fly the a10 this weekend so it's like you take off it puts around for about a minute or so feeling out the aircraft and then you start thinking okay i've got two minutes to get this thing back on the ground do my approaches yep. learn it all out and feel it out and everything so it's uh it it can be a little uh, little daunting so it's interesting to think about that 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 extra envelope but it's not like you can just go pick up a turbine air, air jet and go flying right there's there's a little bit of work that yeah. has to be done behind that <laughs> Yeah, with uh, with any of my first EDF flights, uh, I mean, the first thing I do is is kind of keep it in pattern and see how it feels on the approach. That's like it's kind of like I only have three minutes. Why not give it get it over with now? <laughs> so yeah, I, I like to get that part out of the way and just keep it in pattern, kind of bring it on through and see how it feels. It's uh, just uh, you know why why procrastinate at it when you don't have any battery left and you you might <laughs> if it feels w- weird coming back in, you might as well get it over with, right? But uh, <laughs> you were saying for the for the turbine, you were you were lucky enough to be where you at a at a location that you were able to go through and get your uh, your turbine ticket. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I work with David Payne, who's uh, another world renowned uh, turbine pilot, and of course Ali Machinchi. So um, some of the requirements is uh, you have to get checked out by two turbine rated pilots. One of being, uh, and at least one of them needs to be a contest director through the AMA. Uh, and I have those two guys that I work with. I'm a desk away from both of them. So I uh, um, took them out. And, uh, yeah, um, I mean, it's just a series of competency tests, basically. Uh, you need to be able to shoot an approach from both ends, uh, be able to do a touch and go from both ends, and then some simple aerobatics, you know, uh, loops, barrel rolls, and just, uh, you know, make sure that you can show the other guys that you have control of the aircraft. And then, yeah, they'll, they'll sign away and uh, – just sent it off to the AMA, and uh, now I'm a turbine-rated pilot. Uh, 
don't have a lot of uh, hours as far as my, my turbine rating, but I was able to get it. And uh, yeah, and that's a really cool thing to, a little extra thing to have on your AMA card. Definitely a, a badge of honor. <laughs> nice. Nice. So you said you're out in the West yeah. Coast now. So do you get to fly all season long? Like, will you guys keep doing productions or will you uh, run into the, some of that winter bleak time? Oh, so I myself and probably Allie too are actually probably going to be sticking out uh, here in Illinois all some are all winter long. So we'll uh, we'll be stuck uh, probably having some winter blues. Hopefully, we can get a couple episodes of uh, of snow flying shot. But uh, but yeah, we'll be here uh, stuck in Illinois to uh, to brave the cold. So we'll see. Oh, how that's that goes. right. I remember last year because you guys were flying the F sixteen and it was it was pretty cold as I recall. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of episodes that were not that much fun to shoot uh, <laughs> this winter because we were like, hey, man, let's go out and do it. Because, you know, I mean, that's one thing that there's, you know, uh, like Flight Test and other YouTube channels out there. If you're not sharing the fun part of the hobby, what are, you, what are you really doing, I guess? So, you know, we wanted to show that we still have an absolute blast even when the weather's absolutely terrible. So, uh, and yeah, so there's quite a few. We even did some float flying of the, the Turbo Timber uh, episode. Um, yep. It may not look like it in some of the shots, but it was terrible out, absolutely dreary out. So yeah, we had a little bit of sunshine in the beginning of it, and we're like, "Hey, let's go out to the lake." And all of a sudden, as soon as we got to the lake, it just turned nasty. But we're like, "Hey, whatever." Here. We... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. Let's do it. So. I've done I've done a few maidens in in the middle of the winter, and it's like you know, I would say not minus thirty, but pretty darn close Celsius with a high wind. But you're like, well, I'm here. Let's let's see what this plane's going to do. And yeah, you're only shooting or flying for a couple of minutes because that's all the fingers want to take. But, you know, if you yep. can put a transmitter on and it lands on floats, great. Yep. I have, uh, I have a pair of winter gloves that have the index and thumbs cut out of them for that very reason. So... <laughs> Yeah, you got you got to have something, and uh, yeah, we love flying all winter long. So a little less on the battery life, but uh, but still worth it. So, Actually, uh, uh, you, you still got to work, yeah. You know? Yeah, well, the, do you do you do any adjustments? I know I've done things where I've talked about uh, you know how, how lowering your expectations of flying and everything, but when you're shooting with your quad, do you have to take some some different uh, different approach to setting it up? Um, as far as, so, and that's the cool thing about my particular quad and, and what I'm doing with it is while I was in development, uh, the, the idea for a seven inch bind and fly was not my idea, but, uh, I definitely took the idea and ran with it as far as I could. Um, so the, uh, the blade scimitar LRX is a, a, a development project that I was responsible for. And, uh, what I really wanted is I tuned it out to, to be a, a chase quad essentially is that I wanted, you know, Big hefty motors. It's got 2408, uh, 1400 kV motors on it. Uh, uh, a big four and one six SESC, and it just does a fantastic job. Uh, for most foamy airplanes, uh, you know, on the lower, you know, half end of the throttle, you can hang with most fixed wing airplanes. So it's it's really a perfect platform, and you're usually matched on battery life too. Where if I'm up there flying with it, you know, I can get anywhere from five to seven minutes of flight time on that particular rig with a success. Uh, 1800 to 2200 milliamp hour battery um and uh, so with, on the on the jet video i was flying with the 6s 1300 just so you know to make the uh the air air uh frame a little bit more efficient which worked really well but of course the flight times were extremely short so uh yeah we definitely showed some shots of it coming back and forth but yeah so the uh scimitar lrx is like the absolute perfect tool so 
Um, I have a, two of those on standby at any given moment, and that's what I use to do all of the work with it. It's tuned exactly for what I need to do with it. So, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> of course, mine's a little bit laggy, but yeah, that's it on the website. Uh, I absolutely love that machine. I use it with, uh, so the, the props are discontinued, but I use it with the HQ 7x4x3s. And then we have a custom TPU mount on Thingiverse that you can get for it for either the GoPro Hero Session or the GoPro or sorry, the GoPro Session or the GoPro Hero uh, 5, 6, and 7, and it works absolutely wonderful for it. Uh, yeah, I've been really happy with it. It's it's a rare opportunity to be able to, you know, develop your own and design your own quad. So, uh, yeah, and, and I absolutely adore it. It works really well. <laughs> cool. And you were saying, actually, uh, are you going to be getting your hands on a new GoPro 8 when they come out, or are you going to stick with, uh, what's your main rig for your camera? So uh, GoPro Hero 6 or Hero 7, depending on what sort of post-production I want to do. So um, I'll sometimes, depending, you know, the more acrobatic stuff, I'll use the GoPro Hero uh, 7 with HyperSmooth. If I really want to do really good cinematic smooth stuff like chasing airplanes, I'll use the Hero 6 with uh, Real Steady Go. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, different types of shoots uh, call for different types of stuff. But uh, so we have uh, a 360 camera. We have the Insta 361X and we absolutely adore that one. Got some really cool shots with that. Um, we actually only I think we only used one shot so far, which is the tur- the very beginning of the uh, Turbo Timber episode. We had uh, um, Trent Palmer use the Insta 361X to do the impossible airplane shot. So we actually uh, quick rigged up an Insta 361X, and we actually replicated that shot with a turbo timber on the one that he did with the uh, with the Kit Fox. So we yeah. thought that was kind of funny, a little homage to him and that that he put out uh, right around the same time that we released that video. But uh, but yeah, uh, I would love to get that Hero Eight. We'll see. Uh, what happens if I can uh, beg for it? Uh, there's always a limited budget, so we'll see. But uh, you know, if you can, and that's what you do with uh, video cameras is if they, uh, if you can talk to the company into buying it for you, you got to show them how awesome it is and what you can do with yeah. it and why it was worth it. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> and that one I, I'm liking, like it's got the built-in mounts and everything on the bottom, so you don't have to run the case. Yeah. But you're probably going to want to run a case just because you add that little extra bit of shock protection if something goes wrong, like the camera's just not fully mm-hmm. exposed but yeah and that's the thing is that my insta 360 is actually out for the count at the moment it's out for service because that's exactly what happened those lenses are very unprotected so if the camera were to fall over on pavement or something like that yeah it's uh (laughs) and i didn't realize so i was like well maybe you know one this one lens is messed up maybe i can get like a 180 uh, a view of something and it doesn't work because it uh, autofocuses through both lenses so oh, okay, it's constantly yeah. autofocusing on one side which affects it on the other side so yeah it kind of renders the camera useless unfortunately so it's in queue at the service center we, we hope to get that back soon we were able to get some cool shots with it coolness so you've talked about yeah. your uh you know the rig and everything so what you know, you said you had a lot of fun shooting on the water and everything as as your most favorite video. What is what is your favorite aircraft to chase? I guess you know what are you looking for for that that ultimate aircraft? Uh, so for me, I'm I'm pretty uh, biased. Uh, so like the airplanes, like a Hangar Nine ASH or or uh, large sailplanes. 
are by far the easiest, you know, and that's just, you know, it's not, doesn't necessarily make for the coolest footage, but gliders are the definitely, uh, I'm able to get the coolest shots of them. Uh, I was able to, there's a glider that Allie's working on that, uh, you know, it's always a project. So that's really all I can say about it, but he had the glider up in the air and I was able to, uh, fly backwards off, off the nose of that airplane for, you know, a good, you know, two or three passes, uh, circuits with him just flying around with the glider. So to be able to get that shot, uh, and it's because the aircraft is just traveling so slow and it's so efficient that, uh, just to be able to sit there kind of like that and to get that, you know, nose, uh, shot of the glider is just super cool. So that's by far the easiest, um, as far as, you know, I'm so spoiled because, you know, any anyone that I try to shoot air to air with that, uh, you know, is trying to display how good the aircraft is. Unfortunately, it doesn't always make for the best air to air footage, which I totally get it, man. If the airplane can do a bunch of cool stuff, you definitely want to feature that. But uh, anytime the airplane is doing any sort of rapid movements as a safety uh, kind of automatic mechanism, I back off of the airplane. You know, I get like you're doing all this cool 3D stuff. And the last thing I want to do is get in the way. So, uh, you know, while it's awesome to show that kind of stuff that the airplane can do, I can't get in there and just, you know, not to risk the airplane or the chase rig. You know, I try to back off when there's erratic movement going on on the airplane because, uh, yeah, it's just dangerous. So um, the smoother, the better for me. And I can really get in close. I mean, you've seen some shots where uh, I have, you know, touched Allie actually, you know, come in contact. We're flying so close that the, the blades just, you know, there wasn't enough air left between me and the airplane while we were flying in formation. It happens sometimes. So. <laughs> Have you ever? So yeah, and like you said, it's always been like little kisses, you know, little nudges, nothing too bad. But uh, nothing yeah, too no, bad. Nothing haven't taken anything you. out. No, no, I got all my practice out, and and see, uh, Cody, he's one of the new brand managers that you met on on the fly. Uh, but he came from product support too. So we've been doing this for a long time. So unfortunately, if Cody ever watches this, he knows because I got all the uh, the rough hits out on <laughs> practicing with him before I ever uh, was flying with Allie. So I got a lot of a lot of hard hours in with Cody, uh, with him flying airplanes and me bumping into him and messing his models up. So <laughs> yeah, I kind of got all the uh, the rough ones out of the way before we started doing it uh, to try and make content with. So. <laughs> Have you uh, have you thought about trying to get something small and come flying out of the back of the fifteen hundred yet? Yeah, yeah. So the Inductrix Plus would be perfect for that, or you know, any any sort of tiny whoop for that matter. But uh, it was funny. I I actually so a long time ago I chased a PT seventeen with an Inductrix Plus, and I didn't think that that was possible, but it actually is. It it, it works if the if the air is calm enough. I was able to actually hang with a PT-17, at least like PT-17, I think it was like the 1.2 uh, meter one. Yep. And uh, yeah, that one is an absolute blast, but it, it actually flies pretty slow. Um, and the Inductrix Plus was able to keep up with it. And then uh, there's a Horizon Hobby Insider that we just shot today, which I, I won't, uh, you guys will look for it. It'll be really cool. But we took some RC cars to a skate park today and I chased them around with an Inductrix Plus. So yeah, the more and more, you know, I, I, you never think that a brushed micro quad is going to make for a good chase platform. But uh, for the smaller stuff like uh, fixed wing or I'm sorry, uh, RC cars. And I, I just uh, we need to find something that's good because we were thinking, like, do we arm it before the air, uh, the easy 1500 takes off? So we're trying to get our heads around how we can best launch a uh, uh, something, some sort of micro quad 
out right. of the EC fifteen hundred. Um, you got to think if you if it's disarmed and it's in there and the plane's flying around and everything, it probably won't arm kind of as a safety. So uh, we're trying to figure out the best way to to get one in there and to have it work successfully. So it might be interesting. <laughs> How do you record the video? Do you just record off your goggles? Yeah, yeah, DVR is acceptable. So I, if the video is good enough, then the DVR is okay. That's that's my rule. If you yeah. can get epic epic enough footage from mm-hmm. DVR, then then yeah. it's preferable to make people watch DVR. Other than other than that. I find DVR to be totally unacceptable <laughs> <laughs> or like a picture in picture or something like that is what it needs to be. You know what I mean? You can't just force people to look at staticky pictures with, uh, with all the background noise. I get that too. Yeah, much. especially on little, little 25 milliwatt transmitters on those little things. But yeah, if, if the shots, yeah, if, yeah. if the shots worth it, and of course it's one of those, well, you know, you cut away. Um, do you often rely on someone to? Uh, do you often rely on someone else to grab the camera? Like in this case, if you're you know busy flying the quad out of the plane, someone's flying the aircraft. Are you going to have that third person on the ground with a with a handheld camera just to capture that shot? Usually not. Usually it's a tripod. Um, there's been a few instances uh, that we've just you know someone's been there watching us shoot, and we've said, hey, here, here you go. We use this camera. Uh, we did that to Cody a couple times on the uh, the float flying episode. Uh, really uh, great guy, Michael Abrera. He's a jet pilot, good friends with Ali. He's been out a few times, and we've shoved the camera in his hands. But uh, for the most part, it's a it's a two man operation. And if there's someone else that happens to be standing around, usually you're enlisted. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so whoever we can find but yeah there's a lot of times where it's just me and Allie and uh i you know i'll usually get two gopros and uh and you know i bring two video cameras and try to have all of them rolling as much as possible um it's a really cool added dynamic to have multiple camera views uh and and you know and it's funny because I'm really learning a lot. Uh, I'm a very, uh, I'm a sponge when it comes to things that I'm excited about and interested about. So to have this as a job, you know, I went from, uh, you know, kind of a, a customer service rep to, to a product developer where I was, you know, always wrenching on stuff. Now to move to videography, you know, that's a big stretch from being a drone pilot. So, you know, they're intermingled in the fact that I like to get footage, but you know, being able to play with different shots and, and all these new cameras, because, I mean, Horizon Hobbies obviously been collecting uh, high-quality video gear for some time now with all the marketing that they do. So to be able to kind of have the keys to the candy store, as it were, and to go through all this tech and really uh, figure out how everything works, it's uh, it's like being interested in school. You know, it's, it's just a blast. And to get paid for it again, it's just like an absolute dream job. So, uh, But what I was going to say is, that, yeah, I always have different camera angles going, and then that always... You know, I hate myself for it when I get into the the editing phase yeah. of shooting an on fly episode. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I absolutely love it. It's being able to tinker with different shots and, and making things beautiful. There's a lot of artistry involved with it that uh, I just absolutely adore. Again, you know, just uh, I, you know, my stepmom t- tells me I stepped in luck. I stepped in it like it was a <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, just nice. being able to do this stuff for a living. It's just do, you, uh, uh, do you do uh, you? Know, when you're shooting something like like a big platform that you can actually hang a camera too off, do you actually use any other smaller format cameras, or you just GoPro to uh, you know and strap a strap stick it on like nothing like a in you know, the Mobius style the run cams or anything like that? I do absolutely, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, in addition to the GoPros, uh, sometimes they're a little bit. Uh, too heavy to really put on the wing of the airplane so yeah uh run cams are also a great tool 
and we always try to put them on the airplane at least for one battery's worth because there's always going to be you know something in there that's worth it and uh yeah there's the on the float video we put it in the uh the um cargo bay hatch and we were had some fun with that and then uh, there's a cool shot of, uh, you know, we got a really close shot of the EC-1500 and you can see there's a camera on the wing. And then the next clip is the, the, the camera on the wing shooting back at us on the boat. So, yeah, it's uh, it's always paid off to have a, a run cam somewhere on the plane for at least one battery's worth of shooting. Because uh, there's always something funny or, or cool worth sharing and uh, somewhere in that film. So, yeah, so, uh, that's really most of it. Uh, we have like a standard video camera um, that we use. It's a Panasonic 4K camera. And uh, uh, what is it? A Canon 5D that we use for you know usually it's usually a B-roll camera is what we use it for or or an interview camera is what I call it and then yeah everything else is just action cameras, run cams, and GoPros. Cool. Do you uh, do you tether your cameras down? There's some good stories of uh, Chris and Mike from the old podcast losing not one but possibly two cameras in the lake when they, <laughs> the Velcro they'd Velcroed it to the float. And the water got underneath uh, the Velcro, and poof, off it went. Two, two Mobiuses, I think, or a run, a run cab. So, believe it or not, and again, man, I, I've definitely had my fair share of like broken and destroyed and lost cameras, uh, you know, through through the hobby. But we have yet to lose. Uh, wait, am I? I'm thinking of there is there's we did. So I haven't lost any of my gear, but we have lost an FPV timber on floats. Uh, we were doing an episode. It was actually a part that we never, that no one ever saw of the turbo timber episode of On the Fly, where we wanted to get some really cool long lines of alley flying over the trees. And uh, we put an FPV uh, rig off the chin of the airplane, and he was flying it around and having a blast. And then he lost every just you know just like that to completely lost the FPV feed and uh, somebody I think got a nice airplane out of that. <laughs> One of the farmers on the other end of the flying field uh, got an airplane, but yeah, we never found that. That was just going gone. So uh, that's the only thing that we've ever lost on the flight. So that's crazy. That's so, crazy. And then you have to go yeah. back to do you have to go back to work and actually write a lost kit report or something? Oh, it, I mean, yeah, it's it's got its uh, FAA number and everything on it because we got to stay, you know, completely legal. This is, uh, you know, uh, a commercial um, operation of radio control aircraft uh, after all. So, uh, yeah, you got to go through all the <laughs> the correct procedures there, too. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yep. All right. So we've been having a good chat. There's a good, uh, there's a good little, uh, there's a <laughs> great rule. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, neat little comments going on in the chat, but we're gonna jump into the uh, hot seat. You know, we, we did this last time. Oh. We had fun. You know all the answers, but we're gonna have some fun with this. I haven't added. I gotta put this in. Put this out to the the podcast listeners and the viewers. Start pumping in some more questions. Um, probably easier to email me because if I start watching the, the feed, I I can't pay attention to the good quality interview that I'm trying to conduct here. But it's it's really neat to see some of the stuff. Uh, actually, looking at some of the comments too. Captain Drone. For those who don't know, who's commenting, he really loves Scimitar. When I told him about our last show, he Captain Drone is is my buddy Steve. He's he's the one who's gotten some really awesome footage for me. Uh, tomorrow, if we if we link up. Hopefully I'll be able to cram 
three planes. In, <laughs> I'm going to try and get the 1500, the A10, and the F4 into the car, and I'm going to try and save a few batteries for him to get me some aerial footage with those things so I can do some production packs because Saturday looks good, okay, yeah. and then Sunday looks wet, so I can do some editing and everything. So, All right, we're going to dive into this one, and they're completely random unless I choose to edit them. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, prerogative. We've been through this. So yep. We'll have some fun. <laughs> All right, number one. Look at that, right off the bat, a one. What is your absolute favorite RC experience? Absolute favorite RC experience was, uh, hmm, I got to think about this because a lot has happened since the last time you asked me this question. No. So, <laughs> I, well, I'd have to say probably chasing, being able to chase a turbine jet with a quad is, was a pretty amazing experience. But I'd say that's probably one of the highlights for me by far. Cool. It's been a good year. I'm going to have to give you that one for sure because I'm telling you, <laughs> I saw that video and I was like, damn it, I'm, I'm joining the RC club and here's my game plan. And then we started setting down and I started crunching the numbers on these turbines. I'm like, okay, maybe it's a two-year plan and not a one-year plan. <laughs> <laughs> slowly bring stuff home. Yeah. Every time I go to the U.S., mm -hmm. slowly start bringing home parts and everything. And my, my poor wife, my <laughs> poor, poor wife, she's like, you want to do what with what? <laughs> Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Question number thirty-eight. Is it gonna be a good one? Oh, look at that. We're actually we're rolling a good roll here. Tricycle or tail dragger? I know what my answer is. What's yours? Uh I mean I love the challenge of tail wheel. I love flying tail wheel, but just for the the relaxation and the enjoyment of it, I'll say tricycle. Really? I'd say it's it's it's, it's uh, overall it's a more enjoyable experience for me. It's kind of just set it in and forget it, you know, just steer it where it needs to go instead of being all over on the rudder when it comes in and when the tail sets in. Yeah, cool, cool. Actually, uh, Will <laughs> Will Scott says if you had to take one RC vehicle to live on a stranded island with unlimited fuel or electricity. What would it be? These are really good hypothetical question. <laughs> uh, you know what? If it was a deserted island, mm. I'd take a sea wind. I just got a sea wind. And, uh, yeah, that's probably what I would take. It'd be perfect if you want to do touch and goes on land. It's got the tricycle gear, which I just said I liked. It's got retracts. It's got flaps. And it's an amphibious airplane. So you can float fly with it, too. There you go. Nice. Uh -huh. Nice. And, you know, unlimited electricity. <laughs> so it's not like you don't have lights and television. <laughs> yeah, it's right? Really, it's a really yeah. good vacation. I like this idea. All right. Question number 13. <laughs> Do you call airplanes drones? I do not because they're very different. Because, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a model airplane and an autonomous, you know, DJI uh, aircraft or, or, or anything beyond that that's autonomous, uh, those are drones. Uh, they should definitely be uh, classified differently. So I think that's very important. Um, the only time a fixed-wing aircraft should be considered a drone if it uh, takes off and lands by itself and hits waypoints by itself, then you can call it a drone. Otherwise, they're totally different things in my, uh, in my opinion. But I think factually, I think they're totally different too. <laughs> cool, cool. Sorry, it's, it was Scott Will, not Will Scott. My bad. All right, <laughs> number eight. Pinch or thumb. Thumb, all thumbs. All uh, thumbs that's fixed eh? wing and multi rotors. Yeah, yeah. I got, I, uh, I got I, big old bear paws. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm, I run, I'm a hybrid apparently. And I got in trouble. People are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. That's how I picked up the radio for the first time. So I do, I do thumb on my throttle and then pinch on my ailerons and elevators. So I don't know. It's the way I grab yeah, the radio. I, right? uh, I swear. I, I blame, uh, Jonathan Davis schizo for that. I feel like he, uh, there was like, a couple years ago, he came out with a video that was, uh, how do you do, are you pinch your thumbs? And he showed the hybrid and that was the setup. And man, it's just caught I feel like a hybrid is like a new thing. I feel like in the last like three years, hybrid has just come out as like the new option. But it works for a lot of people. So it's like you know, a new fad. Uh, yeah, I'm a fad. <laughs> I, I can't explain it. I, I think I've tried to pinch on the, and I just find it gives me my, I, I find my role for my throttle. I mean, I predominantly I fly planes. I do fly the occasional quad. And I just found that it just that was just how it worked. And I don't know. I could probably try and pinch both. But I think it's also how I hold the radio. Um, I guess... I don't think I've ever looked to see how you fly. With do you are you one of those guys who's got the lanyard on and the radio is upward, or do you point like the antenna down? You know, like some of the three D pilots. It's a yeah. You know what? I don't. I don't do either. So I don't use a neck strap, and I don't really point the antenna down either. It's uh. I actually, when I look at myself flying, I'm like that's kind of an awkward position, but it's most comfortable for me. Yeah, the antenna's straight out. It's uh just a, the transmitter is just above my waist, and yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, just my thumb sitting there, uh, index fingers up on the switches to, to, you know, uh, throw gear and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I grab, I think I grab most of my gears using my, uh, my, my, my index and whatever, whatever works, I guess it is what it is. Um, uh, I know I've watched, there's some really awesome video, like, like we're talking 2013 and I'm flying, uh, I'm flying one of my wings for the very first time. And it was like the Stevie Wonder comment because my head is rolling around, you know, when you're first into FPV and it's like, oh yeah. And I'm like, it's, I had a GoPro on the front of the key, you know, and just captured the whole experience. But it's like, okay, now, and I think I, I turned and I was, the aircraft was flying in one direction. I was pointing in the other. So it's like in your head, you're all disoriented. Now it's just like, yeah, put the goggles on. Let's go. You know, it's like, well, where's the airplane? That's all I need to know. Where's the aircraft going? Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Question 15. Ooh. $2,000 plane or $2,100 planes? Uh... The first, I forget, <laughs> one $20,000 plane? Yeah, $2,000 plane. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, definitely one $2,000 plane for sure. Um, just, uh, I've, I've definitely realized the bigger flies better, um, and, man, yeah, it, it's hard, because I'm like, well, you can have so much fun with so many different foamies, but, uh, but yeah, I've, I've been looking at the, uh, the Carf Marchetti for so long, ever since I saw a four stroke version of the Carf Marchetti fly at, uh, at Joe Nall, I've been obsessed with that plane. I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm going to have to get me one, one of these days, but, uh, but yeah, that's kind of where my, uh, my gaze is set as far as the, my next big project might be one of those. <laughs> it's funny because, um, you know, I've got some good friends in the hobby who I talk to very often that, that inner circle. And I, I get in trouble because I, the, the, the fleet, bounces up and then the fleet bounces down and then you know you're, you're <laughs> sitting there and i'm like okay i need to you know some of these airplanes i haven't even flown yet you know so it's like okay this has to change but then you know 
I'm looking at 2020 going, okay, I'm going to, I'm going back to the club. I can get into a balsa. I can get into a gas and, and, you know, I can fly some of my larger aircraft, excuse me, (laughs) and, and, and enjoy it. So there's like this filtering going down, but I don't want to like bleed everything off. I don't want to fire sale because some of these aircraft are pretty cool and some of them you'll never be able to get again. So there's that little, ah, and then, you know, you guys go and release an F-18 on me after like, you know, after I've gone and got an F-4, you know, and it's just like, ah, you know, we know what the, we know what the answers is, but, uh, I'm running out of floor space. So, uh, and and I guess on that one, uh, Steve, our, our good friend of the, of the show, Steve has asked, you know, uh, foam versus balsa. Uh, balsa when I can get my hands on it, you know, it's, it's hard to come across the, someone that's willing to, you know, give or sell you cheap, a good balsa airplane that's already built up. But, uh, yeah, balsa one I can get it. Otherwise, uh, as far as what I can get my hands on for for uh, deep deepest count, uh, I usually end up going with foam. But uh, I've you know I again I'm an absolute spoiled brat. You know the the ability to 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 have both is not a really good answer. Like oh <laughs> I have both in my basement. They're both awesome. I love them both. But uh, but yeah, I'd say on any given day uh, I'd probably go with foam first. Uh, just just for the enjoyment factor, uh, less to worry about as far as uh, upkeep. You know, if you if you you're taking it out of your trunk and you put a bit big dent in it, you know, who cares? Well, where with a balsa airplane, you know, you're uh, you're gonna spend a couple hours, you know, putting wood back together and recovering something. So it is a good <laughs> well. I, I'm going to have to get something about you. I probably will be sensible and do an ARF. I mean, I had, a, I had a SIG LT-40 way, way back. We're talking Genesis days. It was funny because, like, when I went back to the club, they're like, were you a member? And I'm like, eh, either 98, 99, or 2000. But it was probably, like, or it was probably before 2000. And I'm just like, yeah. yeah. My, my buddy still has my plane. I sold it off to him. It had a Tiger OS motor or whatever and whatever. <laughs> You know, I just never got it to fly right, and it was one of those things where financially I couldn't afford the hobby. Really, now it's a it's a different yeah. story, and, and the accessibility is of these aircraft and the cost. I mean, yes, they feel high, but by standards of back in the day, they are they're not bad. It's the battery technology. Yeah. I think that's really uh, really punishing us recently. Just the, not the battery technology, the cost of the batteries. I find insane but then yeah. again i'm flying 6s for some stupid reason a lot these days <laughs> <laughs> more power more power more 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 i i looked at a 12s plane i know i know uh <laughs> all right fast or slow how do you like to fly uh more fast as far as fixed wing goes uh you know uh love edfs that's the thing it's that you know that's the best part about this hobby is that uh you get to do both if you want if you want to go take your cub out and you know do touch and goes in one wheel uh uh landings and stuff like that you can uh but i i, I am a little bit more partial to uh the higher speed aircraft there's nothing like uh doing a runway pass at top speed that uh <laughs> and get your blood flowing for sure yes sir <laughs> i love that i love that um I am actually, uh, yeah. I'm hoping tomorrow goes well and everything with these maidens. Two, three maidens. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing my luck here. But you know, the 1500 should be a pussycat to fly. And then I think the, I've got some really good tips about the F4, and I think the A10 shouldn't be too, too, too difficult. 
But, uh, you know, there's going to be a good mix in there because they, they'll do a little bit of everything. So I'll be able to, to yep. really ring out. I think the F4 will be the, the speed demon of the, of the pack, and then the A10 will just be really, well, not docile, but it'll be fun to fly because that thing should come in really good. And then we can go all crazy with the 1500. It's, it's kind of wide. So, you know, have you flown an A10 before? You know about I've, the A10? I've not flown about the A10. <laughs> what are you going to tell me about the A10? Oh, it's just, uh, I mean, full scale, the free wing, the, the FMS version, all of them. Uh, if you're off throttle and you're on the glide, if you're low, don't match the throttle. Ease into the throttle. <laughs> it has a very high thrust line. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it has a really high thrust line. So, if you know what high thrust line means, is that usually if you match the throttle really hard, it pushes the nose of the airplane over. Yeah. You've seen uh, lots and lots of people do that with all different types of model A10s because uh, the the back motors are so high up that, yeah, if you're on the glide and you hit the throttle hard, it usually drops the nose and you lose quite a few feet. So uh, <laughs> Good to <yeah>. know. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm terrible in that. I, I will I will slow a plane down to an ridiculous speed. Like, And the guys at the club are all at the flying field or they're watching going, okay, a T-28 is not supposed to putz around. It's supposed to be going. Like, why is the Mustang like falling out of the sky? I'm like, well, I'm seeing how slow it goes. I mean, for me, half of the fun of the, of the when you're doing that is seeing how how well it was designed, you know, like, and so I, I like to find out. The problem yeah. with EDFs is you tend to get in trouble, and I have a video that some people have not seen of a certain <laughs> yak going for, you know, a ridiculous dive through the, through the air, right? So <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. I had to go and straighten landing gear out afterwards, but, yeah, it's still fine. <laughs> yeah. Any landing you can walk away from is a good one, right? Of course. <laughs> hey, here's a good one. Which I is like, every RC landing, hopefully. I like this question. <laughs> Name someone who changed your view on the hobby. Name someone? Uh, I would have to say most definitely uh, Josh Bixler. Ah. Was probably, I would, I would say that the whole flight test crew in general, uh, I've been a flight tester since well before I ever worked for Horizon Hobby. And to be completely honest, the uh, flight test was probably uh, one of the big inspirations, you know, uh, just sitting in my basement, uh, putting foam board together, watching flight test episodes is what uh, I would single out Josh Bixler to say that he's the guy who made me realize that I could, you know, the actual thought of doing this for a living. Uh, he, he made that, you know, the idea of that a reality for me, uh, you know, and then, you know, getting the other push from a couple other friends is what really pushed me over the top. But. Yeah, the the first idea of ever doing this for a living was definitely sparked by uh, by Josh Pixler and Flight Test for sure. Cool, actually. And when I went to the club, the boys there were a couple guys there. Uh, boys, that's the wrong term. But anyhow, like there were a couple. Yes, yeah. You know what? I'm out of uniform for the first time. <laughs> I have my work shirt on, but you know, there's always some kind of flight test swag nearby. I swear to God, my entire black yeah, that was t-shirt. accident. I, I no, are you that. kidding me? Uh, <laughs> half my wardrobe. No, sorry, more than half. I say my entire t-shirt wardrobe is from flight <laughs> tests. You know, you get the flight test, flight fest t-shirts, the volunteer ones, the the flight crew t-shirt. You know, we, we don't have, uh, <laughs> I don't have any other clothes, but uh, I was at the club yeah. and I was very pleased to see they actually, there was a fair number of people who had kits, you know, flight test kits and the Spitfire right. was, uh, was pretty popular. So I'll, I'll have to bring out a few. I've got my, my FD racer above my head, the scout and a few other ones. So <laughs> there are some good ones. Um, 
Ooh, here's a good one. Yeah, Bill Decker and even Scott Will are asking, what is your favorite uh, favorite movie, airplane-themed movie? Uh, so, I mean, it's just been the old-time classic. It came out when I was a kid, so I fell in love with it. Top Gun's definitely number one, <laughs> I would say. Uh <laughs> That's so cliche. I hate to even uh, say that, but uh, after that, I recently watched uh, what was it? Uh, Hell's Angels, uh, the original uh, Hell's Angels by Howard Hughes. And uh, as long as you can get through the dialogue parts, the uh, the aerial footage is pretty amazing. Uh, I about died. I had to fast through it through the uh, dialogue parts, but just to get to the end air. But uh, but yeah, that's been one of my new favorites. So the you know, and that's like, you know, the the comparison of like what I do now, because they really were doing air to air footage all the way back then. Uh, so it was, that was really cool to watch recently. I thought that was pretty neat. Nice. Mustang or Spitfire? Uh, North American uh, P-51 for sure. Uh, go USA. So. <laughs> I mean, and it's it's like the United States version of the Spitfire, right? So yep. <laughs> yep, with some little differences. Yeah, no, it's it's funny because uh, I was I was socializing some of those old photos of me trying to wedge myself into a Spitfire, and the guy was like, he's like, there's no way you would have qualified as a pilot, no matter how good you are he says you can't even fit in the airplane and there's not even a parachute under your butt and he's like yeah oh like, wow oh yeah i'm like my the canopy <laughs> my head is above the canopy i can't move my legs you know so this is like he's like sorry too tall to fly a spitfire i'm like crushed you know you're devastated yeah. even if i was you know 50 right. years you're old an inch taller than me <laughs> yeah that means i'm out too <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah like my legs were in there and i'm like i yeah you know, just no room for someone like my size to fit in there. So, uh, <laughs> when, if and when the Draco comes out, can't wait to see it. Um, uh, would you do a video with that? So, is that the, oh, the Draco as in an RC version, I'm guessing? Draco. Uh, yeah, well, they didn't, uh, they didn't announce what we were, uh, what we were going to do with, uh, Mike Patey. So, uh, yeah. that part's still up in the air to be completely right. honest. We, uh, so yeah, that's the funny thing is because we did it in front of Draco. Draco was his most, unpo uh, popular airplane. So especially now with, uh, poor Draco, oh, uh, no longer was... with us anymore. Uh, Draco is scrap. Um, I don't know because I'm a videographer now. I'm not on the development team anymore, so I don't know the final decision on that. But uh, I know the uh, I know that's totally a cop out, isn't it? <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, that um, was. Yeah, I don't know. That was a really that was a really upsetting crash. But oh well, at least he was safe. Yeah. So yeah. all right, yeah. number thirty. Oh, this is a good one. How long have you been in the hobby? Um. I've been doing it professionally for almost five years now. And before that, uh, I really started all the way back when I was a little kid when the RC Tyco Bandit came out. Got one of those. And then uh, Christmas after, I think I had a Trex or no, the Fast Tracks is what it was called, the Tyco Fast Track. Um, so, and then it just progressed from there. Something that me, me and my dad always loved to tinker with. Uh, once I got into like my high school uh, age and, uh, was able to actually, you know, get a job and have a little bit of extra income. 
then I started to get into, you know, helicopters and fixed wing aircraft. But uh, yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's been a lifelong thing. Uh, just modeling in general. I remember being a little kid and getting my uh, little, uh, um, you know, as different model kits, you know, the snap together kits and everything like that and being able to put those together and just loving it. So uh, just modeling in general, I've always loved, always been a fan of it. Very cool. Yeah. Very similar story. Lots of trucks, lots of, you know, cheap RC cars, you know, the good stuff didn't come on yeah, much later yeah. in life. Right. But, uh, building mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of building, a lot of flight simulators too. I recall, uh, various games in life. Scott will ask, and these, these boys are rolling with these questions tonight. SR 71 versus Concord. I don't know if that could be together. That's uh, like two different birds, but two wonderful players. SR-71. I mean, yeah. if you want an answer between yeah. the two, definitely SR-71. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get across town or across the country in a couple of minutes. I'm on it. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. All right. Ooh. So, question 34. Mode 1, 2, 3, or 4? Uh, I'm a mode 2 guy for yeah. sure. Yep. I don't. I don't think I could handle it. It's funny because uh, I've got a lot of sports car friends, obviously from my background, and uh, I was always asked. I, I've never actually driven a right-hand drive, and uh, one of the guys, one of the racers, says he says you'll you would never if you had two of the same cars and one was a, a you know left-hand drive, one was a right-hand drive. He says you will always be faster in the car you learn to drive in. You know, so right, uh, you know, right, left-hand oh, yeah. side. You know, it's my my right hand on the stick. You know, on the shifter versus trying to i don't think i could get through the gears and figure you know because that instinct would be like okay one two and you'd be like thinking about it there would be the hesitation so i don't think i could ever <laughs> switch hands and try and fly something else that would be so weird to throttle with your with your right thumb or your yeah or your there's a uh, uh, Craig Greening, who's a fantastic pilot, uh, he flies mode one uh, natively. He's an Australian, so that's how he grew up flying. But he also, he says he can kind of fly mode two. Like, you can be like, yeah, yeah, if I really try, I can fly mode two. Not an issue. I don't know what that looks like, but <laughs> but apparently he's uh, ambidextrous when it comes to uh, to mode one and mode two which i think is nuts but <laughs> i wouldn't even want to try why risk it right <laughs> well because you kn- i think it would be if you were inverted i think that would be the dangerous Ooh. part <laughs> yeah yeah right camera's <laughs> migrating on me there we go <laughs> all right uh let's see number 26 so this is a good classic one this is what was your first car my first car uh it took me a while to think about it before but it was a mercury tracer station wagon oh it was an 89 oh. tracer station wagon nice yeah. oh man because i rocked a i rocked an 88 firefly five-door pontiac <laughs> three-cylinder oh, automatic yeah. There was nothing. Po- there was nothing powered about this car. It was brutal. Uh, no air conditioning. Nice. Nothing. And one year it was so cold that I remember t- going to school. I had to go to college, and it was like minus stupid, and like minus forty or whatever. And I pulled out of the driveway, and I couldn't turn because the the rack, the fluid, and the grease in the steering rack had frozen. So I had to wait for the motor <laughs> to heat the thing up before I could actually turn the wheel. And uh, 
it was so tiny. What the fastest I think I ever got that thing was just going down a hill and it was shaking, you know. So yeah, we all have those <laughs> those terrifying car. The fact that my parents even let me drive, you know, like we had this car in our, you know, yeah, yeah, right. yikes, zero safety features <laughs> by modern standard, you know. Ah, uh, well, you know what? You learn you learn to drive with those things. You learn to drive really well with those kind of cars. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> How to brake. Uh... Well, 2,000 feet before the car stopping in front of you. Right? Oh, <laughs> I remember one year when I was in the reserves, we had a stand to, and we, there was a plow strike. There was a snow plow strike, which is like the craziest thing you'd think of in, in, in where we live. And I drove this thing down yeah. the highway, blazing a trail down the highway, and these trucks were falling behind me because I was putting down a <laughs> rut for them, right? And this little tiny little, I think they were 10 inch, maybe 12 inch wheels. They weren't 13s, you know? Um, <laughs> oh, man. All right. Glow, <laughs> glow, gas, or electric? This is question number 20. Uh, a, a little bit of everything, but uh, as far as what I'm flying the most of, I'm flying electric the most. Uh, next would be uh, none of the above. It would be uh, kerosene. Yeah. After that, hey, <laughs> well... How much like when you do a carrot when you do a turbine flight is it like dollar for dollar is it is it uh, an efficient way like where do you pick up the kerosene is it like at the hobby store or do you have to go to a specialty store to get it? Uh, so we actually in the U.S. will have uh, like every other gas station will have a kerosene pump so you can actually still get it. It's uh it's definitely a little bit more expensive. I think it runs around three to four dollars per gallon, um, and then we'll. You know, we won't use a full gallon for like a 10 minute flight. So I'll fill up a five gallon jug and that'll last me. Heck, that'll probably last me at least a dozen flights. So nice. yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. And and then, so there's a lot of guys that'll move over to diesel too, because uh, uh, most turbine jets, most of them uh, will burn whatever you put in them. So they'll burn with fine kerosene or diesel. So e- either way, yeah, you can kind of, if it, I mean, a lot of guys think that diesel is a little bit more stinky and a little bit dirtier. So that's why they'll go with kerosene if they have a really nice model and they want to keep it pristine. But yeah, there's a lot of guys that just chuck diesel in their jet and just go that way. And then yeah, it flies just as well. It doesn't really make much of a difference. Is it, <laughs> is a diesel, is the startup sequence a little longer, I guess on the diesel just to get the ignition going? Yeah, it burns a little bit dirtier. So, I mean, not not that you'll really notice, but everything takes a little bit longer. I'd say there's a maybe, you know, a, a 2% decrease in overall power because it burns a little bit dirtier. So, there's a couple turbines that I fly that fly on diesel, and uh, they'll leave a little bit of a smoke trail on diesel, and they won't on kerosene. So, it's and that's just really what it is. Diesel's just a little cool, bit though. of a dirtier. That's gotta look yeah. cool. <laughs> you, you know, especially yep. especially if it's an older looking aircraft, you know, more more, you know, vintage in the eighties and back, you know. So it's just got that presence, you know. I could see something mm-hmm. really awesome looking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Make it seem like it's an inefficient turbine, you know, burning it down. <laughs> so it's a little bit smokier, yeah. That'd be well, cool. <laughs> you know, I, I like the um I like uh, you know, like Sitting behind me is the the Havoc, so it's got that more sport jet look. But I I can't fall in love with a lot of the modern jets. So like, what's what do you look for in you know if you had that 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 extra bit of budget you know for for that two thousand to five thousand dollar plane you know are you looking for mm-hmm. something that's got a little bit more vintage jet look to it into it or are you hot for a you know uh, something that's just going to be more sport flyer I guess. 
There, I, I have to agree with you, you know, um, personally for me and not to speak about any uh, particular sport jets, but like the newer ones, like the Mephisto and, and a couple other, uh, the sport jets, they're, they're getting the hard, lines are getting a little bit hard and, and the, the trim schemes are a little bit crazy. Um, there was a certain, you know, a couple of years there in the, uh, eighties and nineties where there was some sport jets that came out and, and any, any sport jet that kind of follows that. You know, smooth, sleek, whether it's, a, you know, a fiberglass or a metal airframe. Uh, but right around there when they were, like, copying the, the 60s and 70s uh, military jets. I mean, that's definitely, like, the, the sweet spot for me as far as where sport jets, uh, where they looked really good. And anyone that's replicated like that, I really like kind of that. The, the Habu, Viper, Jet type of look. I, I love anything that's modeled around that for sure. Cool. personally anyway so would yeah. you if you if you were to do another turbine would you go with a composite or are you a happy are you happy with the foam uh definitely uh composite um fo- foam is so because uh, you, you were uh because i have a foam jet i have uh, an hsd uh super viper is what they call it and that's a foam jet and it's a great trainer it's a great way to get you into it uh, in, with an inexpensive airframe, uh, I would definitely say it doesn't fly as good as composite does. So, uh, if I have a choice on my next turbine, if I were to get one, it'd definitely be uh, a composite for sure. So it's, uh, totally worth it in the long run as far as, uh, uh, the upkeep and, uh, overall, you know, just quality. Cool. That's, that's, that's actually an awesome point. So I like that. <laughs> Bill, yeah. Bill Decker X, uh, what plane project would you like to build that hasn't been made yet? Ooh, so you're unicorn. Yeah. Um, I really like some of the, the much more obscure planes. I'd love to see a composite P38. Um, I think that'd be really cool. Like a large scale composite P38. Uh, with a couple four strokes in it, that'd be absolutely amazing. That that'd be a huge unicorn one. And I, I mean, I think the last time Horizon Hobby or E Flight released a P thirty eight, I mean, this is before I was really aware of Horizon Hobby. I think they might have done a P thirty eight way back when. But uh, yeah, I'd love to do like an E Flight series, like one point two or you know one point three meter uh, P thirty eight. That'd be awesome. Love that plane. Cool. Question number 22. <laughs> Crash story. Come on, spill it. You got a good one. You have to have a good one. We've all done something in. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, so I think I'll tell the, the same one that we rehearsed from before, and that wasn't too long ago. Uh, I had a buddy of mine who just got a sports car recently, and he wanted to take me out on a country road and uh, get some quad footage of the car running down the country road. And uh, it was great. He was getting up, uh, you know, third gear, fourth gear, and uh, I was having a blast getting in really close. I, I had gotten the shot that I wanted, uh, you know, the nice close shot, did a couple of orbits around him. And then uh, as soon as I said, okay, I'm going to go have some fun, I uh, did a little loop around some power lines and then right back into the car, um, but uh, a little bit higher than I came in before. And there were some power lines running from the telephone pole across the road into a house. Uh, and absolutely clotheslined my quad, uh, turned my one success, uh, 2200 battery into two success, 1100 batteries. <laughs> That's how hard I hit the power line. Uh, so believe it or not, that quad and the GoPro survived, but, uh, that was pretty humbling. You know, it was like within literally, I thought, Oh, this, this is cool. All right. I got the shots I need. I'm going to go show basically show off is what I was doing. 
uh, and then yeah, paid for it. Uh, um, instant karma. So. <laughs> <laughs> those lines can be really. I mean, that that it's uh, it's it's the retention on those things is pretty nasty. But yeah. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you uh, you know, speaking of damaging batteries, have you had ever had any like whoops, like serious incidents, or have you had pretty good lifeo safety? Uh, both in charging and operation, believe it or not, I've had some really good experiences. Of course, I mean, when you work for a company that has batteries all over the place, you know, Horizon <laughs> Hobbyist uh, has a lot more lipos than they'd like to admit, both in development and marketing and everything. So uh, we all have our lipo safe cases uh, and, and, you know, we have certain storage areas for them. So luckily with that, uh, you know, meticulous uh attitude towards lipo storage and everything luckily i've uh again keep asking me questions that make me knock on wood man <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of that like you know being a horizon pilot uh are you are you flying the, the some of the newer smart stuff or are you still running off uh the old i guess i guess you'd probably want what ec5 on your uh, on your connections yeah, yeah, EC3. I, well, I mean, it's uh, kind of a, it was a quick switchover for us because the way we go through our consumables. Uh, so, yeah, pretty much everything I have, everything new is a smart battery. Uh, I, I love them. The fact that I don't have to worry about puffing batteries anymore by forgetting to discharge them after, you know, because I, I was the worst at it. Uh, and overall, it's just nicer. I mean, obviously, it's convenient for me because I have such an easy way in. It's, you know, it's a little bit more difficult for the general consumer to just switch over to smart technology, especially if they've uh, invested in regular technology already, or as we like to call it, dumb technology. Uh, <laughs> but for us, it was a really easy transition. I mean, what I can say is that if you, you know, were to slowly transition into smart technology, uh, it'd be totally worth it. Just uh, with the upcoming telemetry features that we have and just not having to worry about proper lipo care has just been so much nicer. You can be a little bit more irresponsible with your batteries. It's so nice to just go back to your batteries and plug them in. You're like, oh, it's a 3.8. Guess I need to charge it. Oh, yeah, it must have discharged itself over the week that I left it in my battery box. So, yeah, that's, that's it's just, you know, a whole bunch of really convenient features that you kind of don't have to worry about. You know, just plugging it in, already know your amp rating and, you know, everything and just pressing start. So, really nice part of it, but. Nice. And then uh, if I've read correctly, the charger and the battery kind of talk back and forth. So if, if you're starting to see a little bit of degradation, it's noted like through through an app, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it uh, lets it basically has a data log of the activity of the battery. So the cycles uh, and if it was ever overcharged, over discharged or anything like that, it actually keeps log of it. Uh, for your reference so if, i mean you can really dig into you know let's say your buddy borrows your battery no. oh <laughs> you know no. yeah, you can be like no. no i can see right here no <laughs> thing down to 3.3 per cell you know something like that so yeah you can really dig into your statistics and you know if you want to see what flight did it you know you can really dig into the 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 log and see what uh what's going going on with it which is cool yeah i remember early on i used to track it right down i had a an app on my phone and okay i'm flying this plane with battery and i you know all my batteries are labeled and numbered and everything but this is a whole other like i actually would enjoy that level of knowing i mean i've got my phantom so obviously those batteries are smart technology and they do their discharge mm -hmm. and everything and i'm sure they're sitting there just waiting for the day where i feel like flying that thing again but i don't have to worry about that those batteries where all the other ones and just especially the cost and are you uh 
you know, do you cycle through your batteries pretty often or do you find you get a good lifespan off them? Uh, it's, I mean, a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, we're definitely going through a high volume of batteries, but, uh, I mean, there's, I use a lot more brands than, than, you know, yes. I'll, I'll talk about most of the stuff's either E-Flight or Spectrum, but I'll, I'll go through and test other brands and stuff. And, uh, I, I would say that the smart technology is actually comparable to the best stuff that I've used as far as, you know, overall discharge and, and, you know, how close the C rating is to, to what's advertised. <laughs> Um, no, but I, I, I really haven't had a problem with them. And, uh, so I, the only, there isn't a single orange smart battery that I've had that I think that I've gotten rid of yet because it's puffed or, you know, uh, imbalanced or internal resistance is off or anything like that. Uh, now other batteries most definitely, but then again, you know, you're with the added technology with like the avian line of, uh, of ESCs that you don't have to fly with a timer anymore that you can just see actively yeah. your, your voltage per cell has been, has been huge for me. It's, it's, uh, you know, that, that technology that I've become so comfortable with in a quad where I have my voltage on my OSD just right in front of me, the whole flight, I can finally kind of get to that, that feeling, you know, I've always, you know, flying off a timer is always iffy because you're not, you know, that's yeah. pretty arbitrary in comparison to yeah. either how you're flying or, you know, per battery even. So. And this, you're going to love this, this flags right into the next question. And, I, and I'll comment to that because I had a few people go and ask me. So they're like, well, you got to bind and fly in the 1500, but why did you choose to plug and play for the F4? And I said, sorry, guys, mm -hmm. I'm an FR Sky guy. And when I fly my jets... I've got my little balance tab, and that's firing telemetry back to my radio. And so I'm flying my jets, and I'm listening for Lois Cell. She's calling out there on the radio yeah. every 20 seconds, and I can, well, I've can. i got my timer, and we know oh, this jet should be good for three minutes. But if something goes wrong and I get a 3.7 or lower, I'm like, yep, we're coming home. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, yeah, but. Am I full throttle? Am I burning through? It's a big 6S pack. Who knows? But so, really, it's funny because the Havoc will be my first jet where I don't have telemetry because it's a it's a DSM, you know, it's a DSMX. And, uh, yeah. you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, the 1500 didn't buy. Now, great hobbies to set me up, but I'm actually going to leave the 8 channel in there because now I can do all those crazy stuff on flaps. But, so question number yeah. nine is what is your brand radio? And this is like, I shouldn't even have to ask this, but talk us through some of the technology <laughs> that you use. Yeah, there you go. I was, uh, was going to say, if that's not clear enough. But. Yeah, yeah, I know. Eh? There you go. Team pilot, Spectrum yeah. team pilot. But, you know, yeah. you're, you're lucky enough. But we didn't even discuss this on your machine because this came up in the in the other stream. But uh, talk us about talk us through some of the radio setups and why, in particular, related to your line of business. Yeah, so I mean, honestly, I've been a Spectrum user. That was the the first transmitter I ever bought. It was a DX6i, uh, bought it with a Blade 403D, and that was what really started it. Is just the convenience, you know. I was uh, like most uh, fans of Horizon Hobby. I was uh, eating up foamies like nothing else, and it was just kind of a no brainer to go with that. But uh, I've never been disappointed, um, you know. I don't. I've never had a failsafe that I couldn't uh, blame on myself in some way, shape, or form. I know that's not everybody's experience with the product, but uh, just have never had an issue. Um, and now that I fly Crossfire, which is needed for the type of work that I'm doing, if I'm going to be sending a quad out as far as I am to chase an airplane, 
you know, a 2.4 gig radio is just not going to cut it, whether it's FR Sky or Spectrum. So, um, and so my iX12, I absolutely adore. Uh, it has plug and play for Crossfire. Um, and the overall, you know, the quality is there. It's a, it's a nice rugged radio. I enjoy it. It's got a nice, nice uh, touch screen that I haven't actually scratched yet somehow because uh, I don't even have a touch screen on it. But uh, it's, it's just been really a nice transmitter. Uh, Spectrum's always been reliable for you. It's kind of a if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of situation for sure. Nice. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because we would get those questions a lot, uh, you know, and everybody gets that question. And for me, I kind of stood there and was like, I started off with a Turnigy, uh X9. Turnigy 9X? Yes, sir. Yeah. And, <laughs> man, I learned the hard way that, that that's not an FPV-compatible receiver. No. Oh, oh goodness. Yeah. Yeah. There's a – I don't even know if Do the video the doesn't exist. Roll? Oh, it's not. It's not. It's and I got out with the Bixler, and um, I'm coming back from the flight, and I'm like, "Wow, the plane is really sluggish." And the ESC had cycled, and I the only reason I knew this <laughs> is because you, I'm over and I'm flying, it kind of, and the motor goes. Zzz. I'm like, "That's it." So anyhow, went with it, you know, and it's uh, gosh, it's it's um. It's one of those things where you, you make that decision, right? Like, okay, what am I doing? What am I building? What can I afford? And then you have to stick with it because if you sit there and start bouncing between yeah. it, you're blowing a ton of money on receivers, right? So it's uh, yeah, there yeah. is no perfect answer, but I, I like that uh, you know that the, that it's worked out for you. And, and I tell you, some of those radios now are just beautiful. So I'm yep. with mine, but even even my even my my trusty Tyrannus, uh, I could switch that up for something that has a lot more memory because I seem to have more planes than that poor radio can handle. <laughs> 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 All right, question number two, and if anybody else on the stream has got some other good good hard pressed questions, because we've we've got the man in the hot seat, you know, even though I haven't used the bell, <laughs> you've been doing good. Number two is, what would you change about the hobby if you could? If I could change anything about the hobby, I would uh, the stigma related to multi-rotor aircraft or drones in general to, uh, from the general population. Uh, I'd love it somehow if uh, if I could get uh, the hobby back into a hobby and uh, and uh, get away from the industrial multi-rotor uh, situation that we're dealing with right now. Um, I know that's definitely impossible, but if I could somehow do that, that's probably one thing that I'd do. <laughs> So industrial, what do you mean by that? Um, I would say, so not only, see, it used to be uh, a hobby that it took a uh, practice and it and, uh, would take a developed skill set to be able to do, uh, both in being able to build the model, then being able to fly it. Uh, it takes a lot of practice to be able to do that. And now with the technology and the way that it's come, it's become so simple, not just with, you know, like trainer aircraft, but with... Uh, with uh, cinematic and AP drones, you know, almost anyone can grab those anymore. And that's where it's kind of become uh, more of a danger to the general population, I guess I would say. Gotcha. So uh, if we could somehow bottle that back up <laughs> and have it to be, you know, and I'm always, you know, it's not that I don't want to grow the hobby. I would love it for, you know, to for a drone to be in every home, I guess, as it were. But just for it to be that, not to commercial, to be commercialized where, you know, now we're going to have UPS and Amazon dropping uh, packages in our backyard and stuff like that. 
Um, I think you should go back to a hobby, but that's just one guy's opinion, and uh, and that's uh, just a a pipe dream of mine, I guess. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Well put. Number thirty six, <laughs> Corsair or Hellcat? Uh, I gotta go. I gotta go Corsair for sure. Uh, uh, gold wing all the way. Love that plane. Nothing Beautiful. like bending a set of wings to get the gear down lower so you can put more prop on something. <laughs> <laughs> they do fly nice, don't they? Yeah. Uh, Bill Decker, going back to your question about the drones, do you see drone racing, do you see the drone racing league kind of thing growing any further? I do. If it has, you know, uh, a fan base, if it has a group of people that are willing to watch it, I think that it's just going to keep growing uh, with, with stuff like DRL. I think they're getting new and interesting ways of filming it. Uh, so it becomes more of a uh, viewer, a uh, viewable action sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the better that they can do at that, it, it, to, to make it interesting to watch is the real hurdle, I think. Um, where, you know, seeing a big F1 car take a turn around a track is pretty awesome. It's not always the coolest thing in the world to see a little drone take a corner around a track. So, uh, as long as they can continue improving, uh, the, the excitement of the, the viewers end, uh, yeah, I think it'll be successful and I think it'll be, you know, it'll become like any other major sport really, um, that, uh, you know, you're going to have sponsored pilots and, and you know, you're going to have national series and have your up and comers and everything like that. Uh, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't continue as long as it has a fan base. Yeah. Cool. Uh, hey, linking into that whole drone and everything and, and just quad flying, what FPV system do you currently use? And have you tried any of the new digital technology that's out there right now? Uh, you know what? I, I haven't. I, uh, so I still fly, uh, HD threes with the rapid fire module. So I'm still an analog guy. Um, haven't gone near it. I'll be honest. Uh, I like to stick with the old school stuff. Uh, um, I mean, it, if it comes to me and I try it and I'm really impressed by it, it might be something that, uh, that I'll, I'll look into, but really at this point in time, uh, unless somebody, uh, has a set that they're willing to let me try. Uh, I don't really have much interest in it. Interesting. Um, I don't know. Yeah, because I, I don't see that it'll improve my current state of affairs, I guess. Um, you know, because I'm still going to have a GoPro on my rig. I'm still going to be... Uh, I mean, I, I... Like the Runcam Eagle, I think, is the closest thing you can get to HD without being HD. Uh, and I can really see my target very clearly. And uh, as far as from a professional perspective, I don't see much use in it. Um, but then again, I'm going to have to try it. And, uh, you know, I'll have to see for myself. I just haven't yet. Yeah, because we, we've looked at, uh, I, I've read over the, uh, the the DJI specs. I did it right, folks, DJI. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, that looks really cool, but that's a whole integrated controller for your quad. So that's a lot of changing just to get that transmission to you. Uh, the Frostbite system from uh, Fat Shark doesn't look half bad, and I they're starting to, to tease that out. Do you think... Um, do you think the digital might affect how you see your target, you know, and how, how you fly? Will it, you know, it, we've gone through it in our video transition, man. I shot analog. I shot some, some, some early days digital, and you were like, wow, I can't handle this crisp image. And now we're shooting, you know, 4K, and it's stabilized, and everything is 
pristine and you know sharp as a bell right and i still like some of that soft look do you think if the image got too crisp would you have an issue flying and just keeping your target without your you know or you know or is it just gonna be too much information for you yeah and that's the funny thing too is uh yeah i almost prefer uh that smaller aspect ratio um because if you just absolutely fill my face with uh with pixels uh, my eyes are darting all over the screen. Like, so if I were to fly like through a set of VR goggles, there's like, there would be too much to look at. And that's, that's the one thing that, you know, I don't know if it's going to be an advantage or disadvantage. I haven't tried the system yet, but that's the one thing I fear. I almost like, you know, I like a large field of view, but almost not too large because you end up scanning too much area to be able to find what you're looking for. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like having going too big could actually be a little bit of a disadvantage. Um, as far as sharpness, you can always turn that down. Uh, so as long as you can tweak that, you can usually work around that. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. You wouldn't think so, but actually, uh, the field of view, in my personal opinion, can be too large. Cool. Man, I love these questions. They're just <laughs> banging it. Look, you got a bell. <laughs> AI, number 17 <laughs> we won't keep you much longer too because we've been rambling on for an hour and a half which is superb but it's it, wow it, yeah i know it just flies people love these long podcasts <laughs> and we're making up for that that last uh the last you know we were off for two weeks so eh, sorry folks yeah. uh number 17 um your first airplane my first airplane was an Artec wing dragon Artec wing so dragon four channel yeah yeah that was old 72 megahertz, had a nightcap battery, man. The thing was awesome. Four, four channel, though. Uh, it was a pusher. It was bright orange. It was ridiculous looking, and I loved it to death. <laughs> so, well, in that, in that strain, do you have a favorite style airplane? Uh, I love warbirds. As far as yeah. uh, flying warbirds, uh, like World War II warbirds are probably my favorite to fly as far as an overall model, yeah. Nice, nice. It's funny because I go, I go in waves, and it's one of those. Okay, if you stop flying them, all of a sudden I got to remember to land all these tail draggers. It's like, oh yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I love, I love landing tail draggers. I, I find them a little. Um, well, actually, the, my my only trike experience until I got into the jets was with the the T twenty eight, and I would always beat up those props just because they're just so big and there's not a whole lot so i i much preferred the tail draggers <laughs> but i mean yeah i mean those the the i still have a lovely collection there's my i've got a beautiful p51 that i i never get to fly enough the mossy the mosquito you know there's just some really nice warbirds is there one that doesn't exist that that you would love to add to your collection uh that, besides that the 38 yeah like <laughs> oh, besides the 38? Uh, no, I think because we just came out with a P39, and that uh, that totally quelled the, the need for a, a weird, interesting plane. I love the Sudebaker doors on that silly thing and how it had the, uh, the engine pushed way back in it. Uh, yeah, P39 was really cool, but uh, like I said, we just got one of those, so uh, I, was, I was happy with that. I always loved the P39. Cool, cool. All right. Let's try another one here. Question number two. Oh, we read that one. That was a change. Uh, <laughs> we've done. Well, we discussed the tail draggers. Wow, I think we're almost running through these questions. So, uh, yeah, I think we're doing really good. We've <laughs> actually lot. Well, yeah, it's funny. We're into that point where the was. It's less random. Yep. Wow. We're done really good. 
Uh, hey, here's a good one. I love these ones. The Velcro question. This is always really good. So is it uh, fuzzy on the battery or fuzzy on the fuselage? Uh, I have a saying that, uh, that Ali Machinci taught me. And uh, uh, so you, you treat your Velcro like you treat your products. Uh, or your your uh, your airplanes. Your your hard on the plane, soft on the battery. There you go. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> you yeah. Have the, yeah, hard velcro on the plane, soft part on the battery. Cool. All right, these have been some awesome questions. Actually, well, I got you here. <laughs> we might talk about a couple of the. I, I'd love to. I'd love to hear your take on that. Uh, on the uh, the this week's release. Um, and I'm gonna pop that up on the website right now. Let's just go over, and it is the F-18. Yeah, the E-Flight 80mm F-18, right? Man, you guys killed me. So I just <laughs> you know, I just got there, and I just punched through, and I bought the F-4, and I love the F-4. It went together really well. I mean, the biggest problem I had was getting that, that wing to sit, and after that, it was it's gold. Yeah. But I'm actually going to be running that airplane on the on my 6S4500s. Uh, the 62s won't fit in it. It's got a much narrower fuselage. But the F-18, yeah. I'm like, darn it. I, 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 when I was a kid, the hornet you know the cf-18 they they took us out of school and brought us out to the field in germany to watch the very first one land so this you know this thing hits home now this is a it looks like a twin seater yeah yeah this is a two-seat variant yep yeah so more of a trainer but oh i could just you know mm-hmm. i could just imagine this thing being all painted up in uh you know, well, I mean, I'm biased. I'm going to go for an RCF color scheme, but just even just a more of a dirty, <laughs> even just more of a dirty paint job on it. You know, like you know, just, you know, most of the F-18s now are pushing. Ooh, well, we're talking the 80s, so these things are pushing 30 yeah. plus years old if they've been around. Mm-hmm. At least, at least in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting yeah. that you guys went with a with with an F-18, and you know, like everybody's pushing the Super Hornet right now, but you gone with the classic so why uh you know it was just uh we like doing the interesting products you know it's it's funny because you it's a it's a very fine line between doing something new and interesting and doing something that nobody knows about (laughs) so you know while there's some really cool you know uh, european jets really obscure stuff that we wanted to do um, you got to kind of balance that fine line between what's really cool and what people are going to recognize that say, oh, yeah, that plane's pretty unique and uh, interesting, too. Um, you know, any any of the F-18s that we had seen down in the past, uh, they had, you know, di- done different types of gear uh, kind of. I mean, they're not completely scaled. They're really close, but not quite. So to be able to do something and really portray uh the, the you know the carrier style fully articulating tra- trailing link like we do on this f-18 was really cool uh i actually it's funny i was actually um involved in the first part of the development process for that project uh mostly you know pencil pushing numbers parts stuff like that but uh yeah i went from uh having it uh being a part of the project and development then i moved into the videography and uh we actually uh, i was able to produce the uh, the product video for it which was uh, which is pretty cool. It's pretty strange. That doesn't happen very often, but uh, but yeah. So I uh, had a lot of time with it. Love uh, you know it, it's a uh, so it's a single uh, EDF, but it's a bifurcated uh, thrust tube, meaning that it just basically it's a two uh, one into two hole uh, a, a thrust tube. So it has a really really interesting howl to it. 
uh, it's, a, it's a lot lower pitch for an EDF, and a lot of people actually commented on the video uh, that it sounded, you know, really, really interesting for an EDF, sounded a little bit different, which, uh, yeah, it's that bifurcated thrust tube that does it. Uh, it just, yeah, there must be an extra vortex in there. It just has a deeper howl than most EDFs. It's really nice. Cool. Yeah, we're <laughs> actually, I'm, I'm, for those unfortunate fans who are not, who are listening to this show, we're actually just rolling the, uh, the YouTube video, which I'm, super ecstatic about this new podcast setup actually working <laughs> it's awesome yeah right <laughs> so yeah like you said it's interesting that you, you got a chance to, to shoot the video and i saw the i saw the photos and i watched the video and i'm like darn it so i think this one might have to hit my uh my christmas wish list um there was a little bit of a there was a there was a nice running debate on the uh, on the the Facebook page, you know, this aircraft versus the the free wing, uh, the ninety mil, and it's funny mm-hmm. because I've gone through the argument. Uh, you guys in the U.S. are so darn lucky. <laughs> you can pick. You've got multiple <laughs> suppliers, free shipping, and I'm sitting there going, "Ow, ow," and all of it. But anyhow. <laughs> I was really lucky with my great hobbies connection to, to be able to land those two, the two recent ones. But this thing might have to, you know, might go into the Christmas list. But the unfortunate thing is it means it's sitting on the deck waiting to be flown until like May or June next year, unfortunately. Right. Well done on that, though. Well done. I can't wait to see if anybody picks it up between now and the, you know, well, I mean, my flying season for something like this is going to end pretty soon, I suspect. But. I like I said, I can see this thing just being, you know, painted up, you know, made like a the, you know, dirty carrier dog because they these are workhorse jets. You know, I know the Super Hornets come out in the into the fleet, and it's the it's the the, the go to dog right now. But it's uh, again nicely done though. Jeepers, you guys know, and, and it's funny because I had a few Thanks, other friends man. tell me that there is a, you know there's another jet coming out. You might want to wait, and I'm like, nah, I'm good, I'm good. You did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I just, jeez, uh, you know. Well, uh, I don't think there's anything else. There are a bunch of products that we're going to talk about the other part of the podcast, but I think at this point, uh, you know, we, we've uh, we've wrapped up uh, a pretty good show. Um, we've had a good time. Sure. So, <sighs> anything to say? Anything comments? Anything else you want to tell us to, before we uh, start wrapping up the the show? Well, I'd, I'd say uh, be sure if you haven't already, check out the On the Fly playlist, both mm-hmm. on uh, Horizon Hobby's uh, YouTube channel and Facebook page. Uh, if you haven't seen those, uh, give them a like and check it out. And uh, just all in all, thanks for having me, Andre. Always fun to be over and uh, uh, chat with you for a little while. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for the questions. All right. Well, on that note, there's some extra music. And hey, it is another successful podcast. Pete, thanks for coming out for version two of the show. I'm, uh, I'm happy we're able to do it. I'm really happy about the uh, the computer technology actually keeping up. Um, that was yeah. a question that we had. Someone wanted me to discuss it, and we will get into it. I'm just, I'm like I said, I'm just, I, I slapped down. I was so discouraged after the last show that I slapped down some money on this this silly PC. I retired my <laughs> 10-year-old Mac and said, okay, let's do this proper. So looks good. The stream has looked really healthy. Everybody seemed really happy, and it's uh if anybody didn't notice, we went from 720p to 1080, 30 frames a second, and I think everything has been really stable. Um, yeah, so hang in there. Again, hey, uh, Patreon fans and everything, we're doing the sticker run, so if you guys are interested in getting your uh, RC After Hours stickers or the, uh, well, you can't see it on this frame, but uh, 
the uh, the, the Blame Andre sticker. Uh, yeah, totally uh, check that out, and uh, you know how to do it. Go to the Patreon. Go to our Facebook page. There's a link if you're already an existing subscriber where you can get all the details on how to send your information to myself. I've got a good friend, John, out in the U.S. who's uh, going to handle all my U.S. international <laughs> uh, shipping. Sorry, my Marriott. Yeah, the U.S. I'm handling all the international and Canadian, so we'll get all these stickers out. So, again, Pete, thanks for coming out. Thanks for enjoying the show with me. And uh, come back anytime you wish, my friend. Have fun. Happy weekend, buddy. All right. Thanks, man. I'll see you later. Cheers.